to another edition of the UK Law Weekly Podcast with me, your host, Marcus Cleaver. This week we are going to be looking at the case of Ritz and Thomas and Oxfordshire County Council. The citation for this case is 2021 UKSC 13. And this case that we're looking at this week is an interesting one because it's all about the statutory interpretation of a very old piece of legislation. Those statutes are often not drafted with the same level of rigour that we might expect nowadays, but if they remain valid law, then they can potentially create loopholes that can be exposed. The law in question is the School Sites Act 1841, and at the time created a simple way for landowners to donate up to an acre of land for the charitable purpose of establishing a school. In these proceedings, the school in question is Nettlebed School in Oxfordshire, A long time ago in 1914, and then in 1928, a Mr Fleming used the legislation to convey land to Oxfordshire County Council, the appellants in this case, for the purposes of establishing an elementary school. The school was constructed and over time it expanded until in the 1990s the council decided that the school should move to a new site with improved facilities. As such they would complete the move, then sell the old site to help pay for the costs at the new site, That all makes perfect sense, and so the pupils moved into the new school in early 2006, and the following year, that original site donated by Fleming was sold to a property developer for more than a million pounds. Legal problems only arose because four of Fleming's heirs challenged the sale. Their case was an interesting one, because they argued that under the School Sites Act 1841, once the land was no longer being used for educational purposes, it reverted to the original landowner, or in this context, the heirs of the landowner. Thus, at the moment the pupils moved to the new site in 2006, the charitable purpose was no longer being fulfilled, the council held the land on trust for the heirs, and it is they, the respondents, who should be paid the million or so pounds. However, it should be noted at this stage that this is a bit of a quirk of the legal drafting. If the original site had been sold before the pupils moved to the new site, This would have created a continuous chain, and there would have been no chance of the land reverting back to the heirs. It's only because of this gap in time between the pupils having moved and the land actually being sold that the current dispute arises. For their part, the council submitted that in a purely practical sense, the pupils had to be moved and settled in the new site before the old site could be sold. And more importantly, it was always the council's intention to apply the funds of the sale to the educational benefit of the Nettlebed students at the new site. The original claim by the heirs was rejected in the High Court, but that decision was reversed by the Court of Appeal, so Oxfordshire County Council appealed to the Supreme Court, which is where we pick things up. The interpretation of this old act is key here, but before we dive into that we need to fully understand the two sections of the School Sites Act 1841 that this appeal turns on. On the one hand, section 2 tells us that while land can be donated to establish a school as part of a statutory charitable trust, if the land ceases to be used for that purpose then it reverts back to the landowner or their heirs. On the other hand, section 14 states that if the school needs to move, then the trustees of the schools do have the ability to sell the donated land in order to facilitate this. However, a sale can only occur if there has not already been a section 2 reversion. Breaking this down for the sake of these proceedings, the question is whether the closure of the Nettlebed School triggered a Section 2 reversion if the closure was a step towards moving location. 
The interpretation of such an old statute is hard, but the justices were helped out by the fact that there was a relatively recent case from the House of Lords in 2005 called Fraser and Canterbury Diocesan Board of Finance that also examined aspects of the School Sites Act. In that judgment, it was held that because the legislation deals with charitable purposes, Section 2 should be read using a, quote, broad and practical approach, end quote. Here, the Supreme Court naturally concluded that the same should be true of Section 14. There are also a few other factors that come into play as part of the interpretation. For a start, there is a general aim of the courts to try and give effect to the intention of Parliament, whether that Parliament is from 1841 or 2021. Secondly, provisions in an Act do not exist in isolation, but form part of a coherent legislative scheme, and so Sections 2 and 14 should be read together. Finally, this statute was drafted before the establishment of the Office of the Parliamentary Council in 1869, when there was a much less rigorous style for drafting legislation, and so that also lends support to the idea that there should be a less strict approach when it comes to interpretation. Putting this all together, there clearly needs to be some sort of balance stroke between the competing interests of the landowner's reversion in Section 2 and the ability of the school to legitimately move to a new site under Section 14. While there was a time when the courts focused much more on the reversion, that approach failed to give due respect to Section 14. Where they can do so, the court should lean towards the continuation of the charitable purpose, rather than trying to be a complete stickler and triggering the reversion at the earliest possible opportunity. If the courts did enforce Section 2 strictly, then it could well lead to a situation where a school is sold without a new site being in place, and that would not only be financially problematic, but would also put children's education at risk. All in all, it was decided that the Section 2 reversion was not automatically triggered when the pupils moved to the new site in Nettlebed. The charitable purpose was not ended because the intention was always to use the proceeds from the sale of the original site to pay off the cost of the new school. Therefore, the appeal was allowed. In my view, this case itself is an interesting comment on the English legal system as a whole. Whereas a civil system that is based on a code of laws such as in France or the US would have likely long since tidied up old laws like this one, the UK system still struggles by not only requiring the courts to provide an interpretation, but to also provide an interpretation that brings things up to date. That is an unenviable position, because we can see from these proceedings that this can often lead to a great degree of uncertainty in the law. When in the past there was a much greater focus on the Section 2 reversion, it was easier for there to be more certainty because there would be a single triggering event that is clearly defined. But as we have seen in these proceedings, that would either frustrate the purpose of the Act or threaten the education of children at the school. So the courts have to take a much more flexible approach to these old statutes, even though that creates some uncertainty around when a Section 2 reversion would actually be triggered. I don't think I would advocate for a civil law system in the UK because that flexibility is sometimes useful. I think that the government, parliament and the office of the parliamentary council should be much more cognizant of the patchwork nature of the UK statute book and constantly work to tidy it up instead of hoping that the courts will do that job for them. Well, thank you very much for tuning into this podcast and thanks as ever to bensound.com who provide the theme music. Quick reminder before we go that if you'd like to support the podcast and help to keep it ad-free, 
you can subscribe to my newsletter and earn yourself some nice perks, including more content from me each week and a free ebook on how to answer essay questions on a law degree. This week in the newsletter, we took a look at the idea of virtual justice and how the courts are going to look in a post-COVID environment. So if that sounds like something you're interested in, then check out the link in the description to the podcast episode. Anyway, I'll be back with another episode next week, but for now, bye!